Have you ever been to the zoo? How many of you been to the zoo? Everybody's been to the zoo, right? We all go to the zoo, and and uh, who? Anybody got a favorite animal that you've seen at the zoo? Polar bear. Did you see the pictures of the polar bears somewhere in the world that are covered in algae? It's kind of gross, but um, no, I, the lion. I love lions. Lions are just awesome, you know. And and the cool thing about lions at the zoo is that you'll be walking along, and uh, even from outside the big cat house, you can hear the lions roaring. You know, you can hear the lions just roar. Jonathan loves lions. You know, Jonathan, what's a lion say? Roar, he says. And, you know, it scares me sometimes. It's so loud. Uh, but there is something awesome and awe-inspiring and fearful about the roar of a lion. They are majestic animals, just big and powerful. And, uh, you know, the, that big mane, you see the big mane there? It just makes them look so strong and so regal. And that loud roar reminds, uh, reminds us that the lion is truly the king of the beasts. When you see the lion at the zoo roaming through his habitat, you feel protected. We're protected by thick bars and, and usually by some kind of a distance uh, between us. But at the same time, you know, you approach that lion habitat with maybe just a little bit of fear and trepidation of, Maybe today the glass isn't going to hold, or maybe today the you know the lion you know took a little bit of steroids with his uh, steak dinner and he's going to jump over that uh, that moat between you and him. What is it about lions that frightens us and yet intrigues us all at the same time? Is it that powerful roar, that that stately mane, that speed, those huge teeth? Let's face it, lions are awesome. Unless you're the title character of today's story. We have, been we have been talking about stories we know, stories from the Old Testament on Sunday mornings. We've looked at some pretty well-known stories from the Old Testament, and uh, we talked about creation. We talked about Abraham uh, and his descendants. We talked about Samson and Deliah, Delilah, David and Goliath. And today we're talking about a man who came face to face with a den of lions. His name is Daniel, and today's well-known story is from the book that bears his name. If you've got a Bible, if you will grab a Bible, turn to the book of Daniel, and we're going to look at his story for the next few minutes. King Darius, who allowed the rebuilding of Jerusalem to be completed, shows up in our story today. How Darius came to power is a quite an interesting tale. Belshazzar was the king of the Babylonians. And uh, he threw a big party for a thousand of his nobles. And while they were having this party, they were worshiping gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So they're worshiping all these false gods. And suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appear. And they wrote on the plaster on the wall. The king called all his wise men, astrologers and diviners together, and promised that the one who interpreted the writing would be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. None of those guys could figure it out. They're sitting there scratching their heads, trying to figure out what in the world does this writing on the wall say. Uh, but there was a man who could figure it out, and his name was Daniel. Daniel said that the writing on the wall was a warning against the king who had puffed himself up and did not honor God as the one true God. In, in Daniel 5... Verse 25, this is what the writing on the wall said. Mene, mene, tekel parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck. Bling, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. 
that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. Kind of weird, kind of an ironic little twist there, don't you think? Oh, Daniel, he interpreted the, wait a minute, what did you say? My kingdom is coming to a reign. Uh, could you give me a, maybe a time frame on this? When, when's it going to happen? Oh, oh, well, you know, tonight. Um, so that night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So you got Darius now in charge. He takes over and he appoints 120 satraps over the kingdom. A satrap was a, a kind of an administrator, a, a manager, if you will. And over these 120 satraps were three administrators. Daniel was one of those three administrators. So he's got like 40 satraps under him. Uh, he's a pretty powerful, pretty important guy. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. And you got it up there. Uh, if you can kind of read that. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they hatch a plan to trap Daniel in order to get rid of him. They told Darius that the administrators and the satraps, the, pre the prefects, the advisors, and the governors had all decided that the king should issue an edict. You know, so all, we all got together, king, and uh, we, we decided that we need to have an edict. The edict was that anyone who prayed to any god other than King Darius for the next 30 days would be thrown into the lion's den. See, uh, this edict would be enforced, and it could not be repealed according to the law of the land. There was one little problem with their plan, though. They lied. Not all of the people that they said agreed to this plan agreed to this plan because they never asked Daniel. There's no way Daniel would have ever agreed with them. So Daniel learns about this decree, and you know what he did? He decided that for the next 30 days, he could live without praying to God. He could go for 30 days, you know. It's just 30 days. It's just a month. It's not a big deal. It's better than getting thrown into a lion's den, right? Wrong. That is not what Daniel did. Daniel went home. He hears about the edict. He goes home. He gets down on his knees in front of the window that opened towards Jerusalem, and he prayed, and he gave thanks to God three times a day there as he always did. The conspirators went to Daniel's place, and they found him praying there and asking God for help as he always did. They ran back to King Darius and asked him about the decree that he had issued there in verse 12. It says, so they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. In verse 13, they told on Daniel. They told the king what Daniel had been doing, how he had been praying to Yahweh three times a day. Verse 14 says that the king was distressed and that he made every effort until sundown to save Daniel. Alas, he could not. The men who set Daniel up went to the king and reminded him of his edict. The king gave the order in verse 16 to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den. They put a stone over the mouth of the den and the king sealed the stone with his ring so that no one could move it and try to rescue Daniel. It was a restless night for the king. The Bible says that he did not take any nourishment or entertainment, and he could not sleep either. 
at sunrise. The minute the sun came up, the king ran to the lion's den, and fearing the worst, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verses 21 and 22, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The Bible says that King Darius was overjoyed. He gave the order that Daniel should be lifted up out of the lion's den, and that those who had falsely accused Daniel should be thrown into the den with their wives and their children. Verse 24 says that the, before they reached the floor of the den, that the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. In other words, them lions were hungry. They did not avoid eating Daniel because they were not hungry. It's not like, oh man, I am so full. Oh, I had great big T-bones all day. And uh, oh, look, there's Daniel. Nah, not today. I'm not hungry. That's not what happened. These lions were hungry because the very next day they mauled those who tried to set Daniel up. Uh, the... Verses 25 through 27 tell us that King Darius issued a decree throughout the kingdom that the people from every part of the kingdom must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And Daniel continued to prosper under the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. There's a guy named Joey Lee who uh, was in the race of his life. It's the 150-mile marathon disables across the Moroccan Sahara Desert. Okay, I don't, I'm not a runner. Okay, I don't like anybody here a runner? Just like to run. I don't. I don't. I don't like to. I don't like to drive 150 miles. And yet, this guy named Joey Lee is taking part in this marathon. Disables 150 miles across the Saharan Desert. On day four, Lee was still running, though other runners had already been airlifted out after surrendering to the heat or to physical exhaustion. About 80 miles into the race, the air pockets in the soles of Lee's running shoes blew out, apparently from the heat. He's got 70 miles to go. Lee was left with almost nothing to protect the soles of his feet as he ran over the sand and jagged rocks. Although he carried a backpack of provisions, it contained no extra shoes. His feet were blistered, his body exhausted from the 100 degree plus temperatures, his eyes burned from the sand and sweat, facing another 30 miles to run that day and 40 more miles over the next three days, Lee refused to quit. The only sight ahead of him was the miles of desert and the massive dunes he would have to overcome, but he pressed on. Three days later, Lee finished the race in the middle of the pack of 600 other runners. There are over 600 people who decided to run this race. Joey Lee, though, was running for a reason. His young wife, Allison, had died almost a year and a half earlier after a long battle with cancer. Lee was running in memory of his wife and to raise money for the American Cancer Society, ignoring the mental and physical obstacles he faced he finished the race afterward when asked what kept him going he replied i just thought about allison a lot this is nothing compared to what she went through you know that's faithfulness right there that's faithfulness to a cause that is faithfulness to a person that is faithfulness and the word that comes to mind when i think about daniel and the lion's den when i think about this story of daniel and the lion's den is faithfulness First, we see that Daniel was faithful to God. See, there's more than just Daniel's faithfulness going on in this story, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. Daniel heard about the edict of the king, and what did he do? He didn't give up on God. He trusted in the Lord, and he kept faithfully praying and trusting and honoring God all day, all night. When the going got tough, Daniel kept trusting and praying faithfully. 
That's one of the lessons that we need to learn from this story. When, we, when things get tough in our lives, we have a choice. Will we trust God to get us through them and face them with prayer and worship? Or will we slink, will we slink away? Daniel could have easily said, God won't mind if I ignore him for 30 days. He understands. He doesn't want me to get thrown into a den of lions. God will understand. But you know what? God does care. He cares about the trust and the worship of his people. God wants us to trust him completely. I believe, I am becoming more and more convinced in my own life and in the lives of people I know that the, the, the one thing that God wants from each of us is our trust. That God wants us to trust him completely. That God wants us to know that he is God. That he is in control. That he is in charge. That there is nothing to fear. That there is nothing to be afraid of. We say in the song, I walk by faith. If, if my God is for me, who can stand against me? I walk by faith. I walk by trust. And I'm convinced that the one thing God wants from us is, his, is our trust. He wants us to trust him. You know, we're like, we're like little children. And we think we've got to hold on to everything so tightly. And we think that we have to, we have to, we got to trust ourselves. We think that I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I find, I, when I do that, I find that when I try and do that, there are days I, I don't even have bootstraps. I don't even know what to do some days. I don't even know how I'm going to get through the next hour, let alone the next day, let alone the next week, let alone the next month. And it's in those days, it's at that time that I have got to say, God, help me. Help me trust you. Help me get through this trial. Help me get through this fear. Help me get through this worry. Help me get through this doubt. Because I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Help me trust you. Help me trust you. You know, I think about people living in countries where Christianity is outlawed. Those who meet underground at the risk of their very lives because they love Jesus. And they trust him to protect them and keep them all the way to their heavenly reward. They want to be faithful to Christ no matter what. No matter what their country says, no matter what the leaders of their country says, they want to be faithful to Christ no matter what it may cost them. They face the lions of life, the lions of life each day and God gets them through. And you know what? We may not face the kinds of hardships that Christians in China face or Christians in Indonesia or Saudi Arabia, but we do face lions in our lives. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. The other aspect of faithfulness in the story is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful to Daniel. I mean, <laughs> when he gets thrown in that den of lions, what is he thinking? That's my question. What are you thinking? Oh, great. <laughs> lions. He trusted God. He knew that God would get him through, one way or the other. God is faithful towards Daniel in protecting him from the lions. The angel of the Lord came down and shut the lions' mouths. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that God is faithful to his word and to his people. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. He is faithful in all he does. Psalm 145, 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. I love that verse. Man, that is a verse on September 7th, 
2008, that's a verse that Sean needs to hear. Would you say that with me? The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. God is loving toward all he has made. God is faithful and God is loving towards you. And God is faithful and he is loving towards me. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Hebrews 10.23 says that the one who has promised to wash away our sins is faithful to his promises. We serve a faithful God. We can count on him. We can believe him. We can believe in him. We can trust him even in the darkest moments of our lives. He is like a faithful light shining in the midst of our darkness. He reminds us of his loving care and his tender mercy, even when we may not be able to see him. His Holy Spirit is a comforting presence as in our lives as the lions of our own existence seek to devour us. What kind of lions do we face? You know, the lions in the story could represent fear. I think that it is entirely possible, absolutely, totally possible, that Daniel could have been terrified as he was being tossed into that den of lions. What are the things that people are afraid of? Maybe it's a fear of getting older. Maybe it's a fear of dying. Maybe a fear of something bad happening to someone we love. Or maybe a fear of being alone. The lines of the story could represent worry. Could Daniel have been worried about his circumstances when he was in the lion's den? You betcha. We worry, so much, uh, we worry about so much in our lives. We worry and worry and worry. And I'll tell you what, a lot of it, I know in my life, it, a lot of it has to do with finances. These lions of financial worry surround us, and they seem to roar the loudest. Will we have money to pay the bills? What will happen to me as I get older? What would happen if I lost my job? Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount not to worry about the things we need. God knows what we need, and he will provide. He will provide faithfully for our needs. It doesn't mean that we can, it doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible with his provision, but we can trust him to provide. Another line we may face is the line of doubt. Might Daniel have had some doubts in his situation when he was tossed into the den of lions? Sure. But Daniel recognized the source of his salvation when the lions did not devour him. He knew that it was the Lord who had protected him and had saved him from the lions. He did not let doubt overcome him, and neither should we. There was a commercial a few years ago, and it began with a young girl standing alone in a picturesque meadow. The camera then pans to another part of the field where it shows a gigantic African rhinoceros. This ominous beast begins a lethal charge right towards the girl, whose serene and happy face remains unmoved. As this rhinoceros gets closer, the words appear on the screen, Trust is not being afraid. A split second before the rhino uh, tramples the helpless child, it stops, and the girl, her smile never wavering, reaches up, and pets the animal on its massive horn. The final words then appear, even when you are vulnerable. Trust is not being afraid, even when you are vulnerable. Daniel was most vulnerable when he was thrown into the den of lions, but his trust never wavered, and God preserved his life. The Christian life can be a lot like a den of lions. The lions of fear, worry, and doubt gather around us with hungry looks in their eyes. We get, we look like a great big tasty T-bone or a nice pork chop. What time is it? All right, I'll stop talking about food. 
The devil who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, according to 1 Peter 5.8, wants to devour us. And that is when we have to trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. My mom, when I was a kid, my mom repeated these words to me over and over and over again. This is one of my memory verses from when I was growing up in Sunday school and when I went to camp. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. See, I still know it. When we lean on our understanding of our situations and circumstances, we can easily be devoured by the lions of life. But when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, he protects us and shuts the mouths of the lions that frighten us. You know, it's interesting. You got Daniel in the lion's den. These hungry, man-eating creatures that could have devoured him. God protected him. God saved him. He trusted in God and God preserved his life. There's a lion at the end of the Bible. His name is Jesus. Revelation 5.5 5 says that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's a reference to the book of Genesis where the tribe of Judah was called the lion's cub. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah and he was the ruler prophesied about in Genesis 49. He's a different kind of lion. He's a different kind of lion than the lions we sometimes face in our lives. He is a good and gentle lion. He protects us. He guards our lives. And saves our souls. Rather than seeking to destroy us. He seeks to save us. And when we accept Jesus Christ. The Lion of Judah. As our Savior. We are saved through his death and resurrection. The Bible says we do this by believing in him. Repenting of our sins. Confessing him as Savior and being baptized. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior. We invite you to do that today. We offer an invitation every Sunday, and uh, that time is now. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, if the lions of sin are devouring you, then it's time to put your trust in the Lion of Judah. We are going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment after I pray, and uh, we invite you, if you want to be baptized today, to come forward and give your life to Christ. Or if you've been worshiping with us for a while and you want to place your membership here with us, you like what you see going on here, you want to be part of our family, we invite you to do that as well. Or if you just need someone to pray with, you can come up and pray with one of our elders and uh, we'll pray together. Let's, uh, let's stand and pray and then we'll sing. Father God, there are so many lions in this life that seek to devour and destroy us. And Lord, we need your strength we need your power. We need your love, your faithfulness to guard us and to guide us. God, protect us from the lions of doubt and worry and fear. It seems like there's so much to worry about and so much to be afraid of. It seems like doubt is always around the corner. Help us to know that we can trust in you with all our hearts, that you will provide, that you will protect we will persevere because of your faithfulness. We ask these things in Jesus' name.